on this episode of Why Watch That. Someone else comes in, played by Bellamy Young from Scandal. <laughs> oh, the dig. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't mean that as a, as a dig, actually. Oh, okay. I, I just wanted to say <laughs> Scandal. Regina Hall is in there looking bewildered. Am I supposed to believe that? (laughs) She became a really born again Christian, Mm -hmm. gave up sex, but Mm -hmm. then found out her boyfriend who had her give up sex had an STD. How do you get an STD? It's your honeymoon. It is, and I paid, and I'm the one. My mama paid. You didn't pay. (laughs) (laughs) But that is family money. If you are in a crime organization and you see the boss's son coming, run. Because they ain't going down. You are. Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. That. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. <laughs> What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. dollars. <laughs> Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But... <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, right. right, right. (laughs) Well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So, Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. The Why Watch That Talk. It is time to time to say goodbye. <laughs> At first, I thought you were going to speak Latin because you said, et, you know, like, et tu brute. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, l- listen how you're flexing over there. Oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> I I was doing my Sarah Brightman um you know, but it failed. Um, here's the deal. Did We're going to say goodbye. <laughs> you left it. It's ever brought up to say goodbye. <laughs> like Sarah, Bright- go look up Sarah Brightman now. Uh, Older singing that the vibrato is wide. You can run a truck right through that thing. Um, you can double Dutch in slow time. Double Dutch. Wow. To say goodbye. Anyway, Sarah, we love you. Um, Here's the deal. We are saying goodbye. We're doing all of this to say goodbye to some TV shows that, you know, we got a chance to hang out with. Some of these are new shows that are returning. Some of them, we don't know. Some of them have been around for so long. If they don't return, there will will be pillaging. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular. If it doesn't return, I think I will. take it to the streets, but we're going to talk about some of these shows. 
And the question really is, as much as we love television, do they always stick the landing? I think that's the theme for this. Did they stick the landing? Mm-hmm. So let's start with a new show by a pretty exciting person who is making his debut to television, Taika Waititi. Um, I always want to say Waikiki, but isn't that like a island? But yes. um, Waititi. Taika, who's no stranger to working with children. I mean, I think I think we can both agree that Taika's ability to get really amazing performances out of children is pretty top-notch. And, yeah. and I've seen, you've probably seen more Taika films than I have, but I've seen at least two that I specifically can think of where the children were amazing. And um, we're talking about none other, none other than Reservation Dogs, which is FX's on Hulu's new show that's already been renewed for season two. I'm excited about this because I haven't got a chance to watch it yet, and I certainly will, but just without sounding Hollywoodish, it's nice to see some diversity in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, you know, not taking itself too, too, uh, you know, seriously, because it is coming from the brainchild of Taika, his world, at least for television, um, along with other, you know, people seriously attached to this. So you got a chance to check it out. Yes. Um, and what it's about, it's about uh, four indigenous teens who are in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And they want to get out of there and go to California. Okay. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> California love. So they want to get out and go there. But can they? I mean, you can't just up and leave. And, you know, it takes money to travel across the country and so on. And then what are you going to do when you get there? And they're teens. Okay, they are teens. So what you do is essentially you follow them around uh, Oklahoma and see what they're like, who they encounter, and so on. You know, certain people on bikes riding through telling them the scoop because, you know, they are up to some things that might not be quite legal. Maybe, maybe Uh not. Is there a rival faction that moves in that they got to deal with as well? And so on and so forth. Also, when you hear the title Reservation Dogs, like Reservoir Dogs, is that right? I I thought of that. Mm-hmm. I'm well, sure everybody has. Maybe it has something to do with it. Maybe it doesn't. I won't really tell you either oh. way. Sorry. So here's the thing, just to make this quick. Atlanta, also an FX show. It's kinda like Atlanta, the feel of it, kinda. Where you have, you know, you're you're in the hood. I mean, you know, following around these people. That's really what it is. And it has- These characters, like the very distinct characters. Yes. And you, it has a very strong sense of place, a very particular sense of place. Um, What I would say about Reservation Dogs in comparison to Atlanta is, for me, Atlanta is funny. Reservation Dogs doesn't make me laugh. That's just me. 
uh, Reservation Dogs, I was watching it going, hmm, okay, this is like a cool way to spend the time. Um, but it doesn't, it didn't hit me in the gut the way Atlanta did. So that's going to depend on you, everybody watching it. But I would say if you are interested in seeing this particular story with just a smell of Atlanta, it's not Atlanta, the smell of it, then Reservation Dogs is for you. Well, and if you're a Taika fan, why not check out what he does um, serially, like yeah. episodically. Mm-hmm. Just interested to hear from that. Let's move on to a reboot. Mm. When I first saw this, I was like, what? Um, because I have distinct memories and I was not old enough. I just have memories. I have memories. And we're talking about Fantasy Island. Yes. And some of you are like, what? Mm-hmm. That movie in the 80s, but actually I didn't realize it went back all the way to the latter part of the 70s. Mm-hmm. So it started in 77 to 84. And I have these distinct memories, but I know I was too young to really get a full understanding. But I just remember, you know, I'm not going to say the character I remember because I look like him as a child. I have a picture, a baby picture. I look just like him. In fact, I'm going to send it to the critic and he's going to laugh on air. So it's been revived and a couple of times, though. This isn't Mm -hmm. like a first time it's coming back. It's had several iterations, which I'm sure you're going to talk about. Yeah. uh, You know, they brought it back briefly on television. They did a, a... a movie adaptation of it, which is different. And, you know, now we're here with Fantasy Island in 2021. Now, the name of this show tells you what you need to know. Essentially, there's this wonderful resort that people go to. And this resort gives them their fantasy. It provides their dream. How? How does it do it? Is this dream fleeting? Is it only when you're on the island? Does it transfer if you leave? And why do these people need this fantasy or these fantasies to be fulfilled? Now, the person running the show is played by Rosalind Sanchez. Elena, who is she? Why is she on the island? How does she get this position as someone who provides these fantasies, who's in charge of that? Where does this power come from? Is this all an illusion? And in the first episode, uh, essentially in every episode, there are two guests of the island. And of course, these guests have a fantasy to be fulfilled. So in the first episode, one of the guests has a serious issue going on. She comes with her husband. And we find that there is a resolution to her problem, but it's a difficult decision on what to do. So it's something that's going to affect her entire family. Now, someone else comes in, played by Bellamy Young from Scandal. <laughs> oh, the dig. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't mean that as a, as a dig, actually. Oh, okay. I, I just wanted to say <laughs> Scandal, Scandal. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, so, gotcha, gotcha. And Bellamy plays a woman who's like, I've had it. In my profession, I have to watch my weight. I just want to be able to eat as much as I want without gaining weight. And yeah, then okay. you go to the next episode, you meet two more people and so on and so forth. Now, that's about it. I mean, you know the premise now. If I give anything else away, you may as well not watch it. So what I would say is, 
we are going to talk about, coming up, some other shows. We're going to talk about, in this very episode, right up next, Nine Perfect Strangers, and we're going to talk about The White Lotus. All three of these shows are resorts with people going with some problems and some money. Easy to do during COVID, by the way. Very. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. I green light it. <laughs> so, um, Fantasy Island doesn't differentiate itself and so on and so forth. Look, it's on Fox. It's network television. If you just want to see week to week these people in this island and what their different problems are going to be, how it's going to be resolved, okay. I didn't mind it. Um, it's just not something that's holding my attention. Um, if, again, though, you like network television, I don't think you'll mind this at all, especially because it's of the three. It's probably the lightest of them. Even though there are things happening, you can breeze in and breeze out. So we're at the end of, well, we're at the beginning of autumn, I should say. And this has run its course. So you can go back like to Hulu if you just want to relive the summer again. It'll give you that kind of feel. Now, speaking of Fantasy Island and what I mentioned, up next, nine perfect (laughs) strangers. Not sure if you want to be trapped on this island. No. (laughs) Look, anytime they say perfect, run. Okay. Now, with this, my friends, I'm telling you, this has a cast that you'd be like, how did they get all of these people together in one room? During COVID. One island during COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And this is on Hulu itself. All of it is available now. I mean, look, we got Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy and Michael Shannon and Luke Evans and so on and so forth. Regina Hall is in there looking bewildered. Am I supposed to believe that? (laughs) Bobby Carvalho. I mean, just Bobby Carvalho. Yes. I mean, being disagreeable. So (laughs) the ref has seen this. I saw like first couple of episodes. Um, So tell us, ref, all about nine perfect strangers. I agree with you. Anytime you hear perfect, you better run for us, run. So we have this resort, as you alluded to, called mm. Tranquilum. Mm. And a lot of, uh, <laughs> we have nine people who decide to visit Tranquilum. Now, it almost sounds very tranquil and, you know, fluff. But it's curious that only nine people are at this big huge resort and you find out how some of them figure it out some of them are referenced to this um some of them are you know typed in most expensive resort ever Mm. and and came across this but because it's called nine perfect strangers you do have to take in consideration that tranquilum isn't your typical resort in fact every person who attends is hand selected vetted down to your blood cell by the woman who runs it all. Her name is Masha, played by Nicole Kidman. She's (laughs) this ethereal long, she looks like she should be one of the, um, oh, I forget what they're called, not the fairies, but they're uh, in love. The elves in uh, Lord of the Rings. She's just very ethereal. Very Galadriel. White. Very much. Yes. Yes, And float, you know, floaty Mm -hmm. when she walks and things. Now she has a team who help her with these guests. And I say in quotes, played by Tiffany Boone, Delilah. 
And yeah, I'll play by Manny, Manny Jacinto. Uh, and these three mainly are going to give an experience to these nine people. Now, who are the nine people and what are they doing here? Well, you're first introduced to uh, someone ramming down the road in this yellow uh, Lamborghini. And it's a couple. They're kind of bickering. One is on Instagram doing her thing. Mm -hmm. And it's Ben and his wife, Lulu. What are they really like? How did they get the car? What, you know, they're a young couple. What does he even do for a living? What does she do for a living? Mm. Why can't she put her phone down? We're also introduced to a very peculiar woman played by Melissa McCarthy, Frances, who is a writer of romance novels. And her last novel just dropped out, hit the market. And it's just about to be reviewed. What do people think about it? And what does she think about it? Why is she going to Tranquilla? She does run into a very cantankerous individual, as you alluded to, Bobby Carnavale. Tony, now what's his story? And how do they meet? I mean, when you talk about firing missiles at one another, Mm. some stuff is just better left unsaid. They chose not to do that. Mm. So already, it's it's tranquil. I'm going to be tranquil because we've got some people at odds. We also have this very mousy, quiet little woman named Carmel, played by Regina Hall. Now, if you know Regina Hall, hmm, Mm. very interesting choice of an actress to play this role. And she's just excited to be there. But, you know, she doesn't have a mind of her own. Mm. Why is she there? We're also introduced to a young whipping snap Lars. He played by Luke Evans. Mm -hmm. He seems to have some sort of ulterior motive. Mm -hmm. He's there. Mm. He was vetted. Mm. But why is he there? Now they have to give up their electronics when they're in Tranquilum. Uh Uh-oh. Does everybody do that? And Mm. why? And then finally, to round out the nine, we have a family led by Michael Shannon, who's playing Napoleon. His daughter, Zoe, it is, I'm sorry. Yes, Zoe is played by Grace Van Patten and his wife, Heather, played by Asher Ketty. What's going on with this family? Now, on the outside, the dad, Michael Shannon's just great. He's oh, a high school yeah. teacher. Very excited to be there. <laughs> but his wife is not as excited. In fact, she just leaves the family and goes for runs. Mm. Why? And the daughter, Zoe, seems to be carrying a family secret. What is this family secret? Now, I'm not going to go through, those are the nine strangers and you kind of have to know who they are. By the time you get to the middle of this, you find out every reason why wonderful Masha chose these nine people. These are people with serious issues. And Tranquillum isn't going to be about sipping smoothies. Well, you are going to sip smoothies, but what are you sipping? What's in it? You're right. Sipping smoothies, just gliding on, you know, uh, some floaty thing in the pool while someone feeds you grapes. This is hard, deep dive into the human, human psyche. And the question is, how 
does she take this deep dive? Mm. Because she is unorthodox. She is not a doctor. Mm. She's not a psychiatrist. Mm. She's not even a psychologist. Mm. But these people trust her with their lives. Why? Why? And how do they trust her? Because I'm going to give this part away because you you will see it. Um, just put it this way. When you drink a smoothie mm. and you eating something, there may be something up in that. She is roofing some of these people, possibly. possibly. Is it true? Mm. Is it true? I don't know. You have to find out to see. By mm. the time you get to the end of Nine Perfect Strangers, talk about every hitting the fan. Mm. everybody has to come face to face with their demons, including Masha, because she's got a lot to hide because somebody in on Tranquillum's grounds is threatening her life. Why? Who? Mm. You'll find out at the end. And by the time the credits roll and everything all is wrapped up, you realize why Nine Perfect Strangers gets the title that it does. It's a lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of drama. And this people, this is from the people of Big Little Lies, so you're going to get a lot, a lot of drama. Mm -hmm. But some wonderful performances, though it may not be for everybody. Here's my overall review. It's on Hulu. It's free. Completely done. It was airing week by week. Now you can binge it. Is it binge worthy? Well, there were some wonderful moments between uh, Melissa McCarthy and Bobby. I just love those two together. They really know how to play off of each other. They were a delight. Michael Shannon is going for it. It's By Michael the time Shannon. you get to episode, huh? It's Michael it's Shannon. It's Michael Shannon, exactly. You get to episode four, holy moly. He's, I mean, some stuff you're like, dang, Michael, you really trying to put yourself into this Emmy race. <laughs> um, along with some wonderful, surprising performances by um, young actress Grace Van Patten, who plays Zoe, did some wonderful work. They really have to go deep. But some the biggest twist in plots come when Nicole Kidman has to face what she's been avoiding or maybe trying to get to. And of course, Nicole delivers. So for me, Nine Perfect Strangers was a wonderful week to week um effort they did a good job ending with that cliffhanger but obviously you don't have to wait for that if you decide to spread it out it's okay if you bench it i think it's okay but it's not for everyone because the writing was tricky at times and really it's the actors who held this thing together i mean yeah. literally whenever you've got nicole kidman saying things that don't feel right this is an Oscar-winning actress. You know, you know the writing is is a little challenging, but it was good enough for me. Mm -hmm, yeah, and that that's exactly the the writing. Yeah, watch out for Regina Hall. That's all I got to tell y'all. Now look, what, I don't listen. Let's stop it right there. That's why I just said, just watch out. I I smelled a rat from the very beginning. Anyway, well, we won't talk about no, that. We're not going to talk about it. But what we will talk about is grown ish. Ish. <laughs> now, I mean, this just keeps on going, Grownish. <laughs> the end of season four is upon us. It's time for these people to grow up and graduate and go get a job. So tell us, Ref, what in the world is happening with Zoe at all? Uh, you know what? That's absolutely right. At this point, we're in season four, and we know most people go to college for four years. Mm. And we are entering into... Um, 
their senior year. Now, when we talked about this initially, we had already said that they were, you know, partying it up before they go back to campus. And they end up going back to campus and a lot happens on Gronish. We see during this season, we see um, a little more from um, Vivek, who is played by Jordan um, Buhat. He is, we know that he's a drug dealer. We know he got caught. We know he's got to serve some time and we watch him do his community service. But what happens as a result of that, especially when his parents find out? You'll be surprised. You will be surprised. You will be surprised. I I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) So he's got to deal with that and the repercussions of what he's, you know, having to deal with. Now, Sky, as we know, is is training or she was, she ran in the Olympics. And so she wasn't here this season. She was filming Little Mermaid, by the way, Holly. (laughs) Holly Bailey was filming Little Mermaid, so she wasn't here this season. So we found Jazz kind of floundering with what she's going to do with her life without track. Now, remember, Jazz quit. But she didn't exactly quit. Because if she quit, she can't get her scholarship. Mm. So she's pleading temporary insanity, maybe. Mm. She's going to a psychiatrist or psychologist, and you'll you'll figure out what that psychologist has to say about what she's doing or mm. not doing. Relax, relax, but, release. Yeah, it maybe, maybe not. Get up off my couch. Yeah. That kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. Jazz is really floundering this season. She um, is trying to figure out who she is. Remember, she's no longer, you know, with with Doug. They have been had a great relationship played by Diggy Simmons. Um, they tried to get back together, but remember she cheated. So mm, how does that pan out at the end? It doesn't. Because, no, it sure doesn't. <laughs> because we got, we got, we got new people coming in. Oh. And oh, do I ruin this in case you're, you're watching? We'll just say this. There's a new freshman in town. Uh oh. She's super cute. Doug is an RA. Oh. Doug thinks she's cute. She thinks Doug is cute. Who is this girl and how is she connected to the crew? It'll be very complicated, I will say, Mm. if they get involved. If they get involved. What are the repercussions of that? I won't give that part away. Mm. And of course, we're dealing with Nomi, who has a baby now. And what does that look like? She, Her baby daddy is giving her the silent treatment, but she does run into him. What is that interaction like? How does Nomi feel about being a single mom? You'll be surprised by that answer. And then, of course, Anna. Mm, 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 Anna. Oh, Lord, Anna. She's, she became a really born-again Christian, gave up sex, but then found out her boyfriend who had her give up sex had an STD. How do you get oh. an STD if you ain't having sex? Oh. That relationship is done. But by the end of the season, she does hook up with somebody. You will be shocked. And you got to wait. You got to watch the last episode, that little throwaway, you know, that little throwaway 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. You're going to get your little money's worth when you find out who she hooks up with this season. Mm. And then, of course, there's Luca, who, if we remember when you were watching Gronish, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of every season, it's always about Zoe. Mm. It's always about Aaron. Mm. And it's about Luca. Mm. 
that triangle is complicated. But Zoe and Aaron have been tight this whole season. Really going forth, but of course the finale. Luca's in the mix, but what does he do that complicates things? And what does Zoe do in response to that complication? And how does Aaron feel about that? Are they going to be off the rails next season? Well, you're going to have to find out. Now, again, we are not at the end of their senior year. I'm sure they're going to milk this year for all it's worth. They dealt with, you know, major issues that are happening around the world. They dealt with COVID for like five seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> COVID's gone. It came and went. Um, yeah. But all in all, Gronish, I'll keep watching because I am connected with some of the people in the cast and and have gone on this journey. I don't think, I think you're, you're onto something there, uh, Critic. I don't know how much longer we can go because of that, that bite that it had, it's, it's weaning. Yeah. So there you have it. Now we both got a chance to see the white Lotus. You saw it to its completion. I saw it just about it's on HBO. This is another resort, like you said, show, but it's (laughs) put it this way. Keep your backpack close because you never know who will be rummaging through it mm. and how they will respond to that rummaging. Yeah, among other rummaging. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're in Hawaii and we have the manager of this beautiful White Lotus Resort. Now, by the way, before I get into this, HBO went to Mike White, who created this, wrote it, all of that, and said, can you do a show for us because of the state we're in, the whole world, where everybody can just go on like an island and be, you know, just right. be together. It's, it's quarantine, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is what this man came up with. <laughs> well, rem- remind who Mike is. And like, on HBO, if you have HBO, you have HBO Max, go there, watch Enlightened with the brilliant Laura Dern and her mama playing her mama. Now, if you like this, check that out. It's it's yeah. a it's trippier, but I mean, this, Lauren, this is trippier. No, no, no. Enlightened. Enlightened is trippier yes. than this. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because well, it's, it is about a woman who is becoming enlightened, supposedly. Oh, uh, what well, like like rummaging through backpack enlightenment? Well, well, <laughs> rummaging through the mind. Let's call it okay. that. Okay. All right. Yeah, and Mike White is actually in Enlightened. He's acting in it as well. So nice. anyway, nice. So we have Murray Bartlett playing Armand, the manager, and Armand (laughs) and one of the guests, I'm going to tell you, they do not get along. To the nth power. (laughs) And that's Shane, played by Jake Lacey, because Shane is a newlywed, Rachel is his wife, played by Alexandra Daddario. And they're supposed to be having a wonderful honeymoon. Now, he's like, look, my mama paid for this specific room. And we didn't get it. And he reminds her many times. Many times. And his wife is like, can't we just enjoy this? Now, frankly, I'm sorry. If I pay for a room and you didn't give it to me, we're going to have a problem. That's just what it is. And you go this far? (laughs) Well, no. uh, Excuse me. You're not going to charge me for a different room and then put me. No, that's not going to fly. Okay. So, you know, I see you. I'm in the middle of the two of them going, I see both sides. 
but come on now. You, you can't honey least. It's your honeymoon. It is, and I paid, and I'm the well, my mama paid. You didn't pay. (laughs) (laughs) But that is family money. Now, and mama shows up, by the way. We won't tell you how. And who was mortified, just mortified. But and and how and who? 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 (laughs) And how do Rachel and Hubby, how do they respond to this showing up of mama? But anyway, so there's a whole saga with Armand and him and Shane. And in the final episode, you'll see the conclusion of that saga. Now, keep in mind from the first episode, we know there was a death. Who? Well, Shane was somehow sad on a ferry somewhere. Why? Does that mean anything? I don't know. Probably not. Maybe. You will see what all of that means in episode six. Now, we also have one of my favorites. And really, I love all of these people. I think that this whole cast was great. But Jennifer Coolidge playing Tanya. (laughs) Her relationship with Natasha Rothwell's Belinda character. Uh. The fruits of that labor. I'm still thinking about. Because Tanya is very troubled. She comes to the resort for a specific reason with a specific artifact that she has to deal with. She just can't get it together. In the first episode, she's like, oh, where where is it? Where is it? (laughs) And the person helping her, who is having her own problems, by the way, is like, looking for it. Anyway, you'll see the resolution of that. And then Tanya kind of meets up with everybody but no one really wants her around she even with with shane and rachel they have an encounter with her that was awkward (laughs) but she and belinda because belinda is the resort spa manager and from the beginning when she got on the island tanya was like oh i just need a massage please and belinda's like sorry just can't accommodate you now this is strange for a spa manager to tell someone no like like that especially a woman of money that's what i'm saying but this doesn't make tanya give up she ends up going to the spa anyway and saying please please please." so belinda goes okay well i'll help you out i'll figure it out and that help leads to something very interesting for belinda because Tanya's like, you are amazing and you need your own business. Why don't we do it? Mm. I mean, Tanya is a woman of means. But what does Belinda think about that? And what does she feel? And you'll see what comes of that in the end. I'm going to tell you this, though. Let me just say. If you give me a lump sum of money, I'm taking it with a smile. Now, next. Mm-mm-mm. We do have a family, a very interesting, troubled family. Um, The matriarch of this family is played by one of our favorites. I'm sorry, Connie Britton. We love her. Nicole. And Nicole brings in all the money. I mean, cash. A lot. Cash money. She's a CFO of like a tech company. Like, you know. Yeah. Now... Her husband, played by Steve Zahn, Mark, well, he 
really throughout the the show is trying to hold on to his masculinity. That's what it is. In particular, via <laughs> is that what his, he's doing? Yes. In particular, <laughs> via his son. That relationship. He's trying to get to his son, Quinn, played by Fred Hatchinger, form that relationship and contend with his relationship with his father. And you'll see what that means as you watch. And from the beginning, he had an emergency. Let's just say that, a medical emergency. You'll see (sighs) what comes of that. Now, they also have a daughter and the daughter brought a friend. Now, this daughter is Olivia, played by Sydney Sweeney. The friend is Paula, played by Brittany O'Grady. Now, Olivia and Paula, you don't want to go on vacation with them. They are They're mean girls. They're yeah. mean girls. Mean they're, girls they're, to a T. To a T. Yeah. And, and to got, each other. To each other, to everyone else. And, and you know, it's the na- nice nasty. They tried it on one of the characters and then they got it right back in their face. Oh, uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. So you'll see, like the ref is saying, what happens between them and this family? You won't see it coming. But in the end, it has an effect on the family. Does it bring them closer? Does it split them apart? I won't tell you. And all of this is about privilege, power, reclaiming things, and so on and so forth. That's the undercurrent because we didn't get into all of the staff because Armand is a trip. He, I mean, now literally, yeah. <laughs> and he brings some people along on that trip. Oh, I felt and, so bad. <laughs> well, well, certain people go, I give you this, you give me that. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if you have a transaction, I'm not going to be involved. If it's a <laughs> transaction. Okay. And you're consenting. That's on y'all, but you better lock the door. You lock the door. But, you know, if you're on a trip, you don't always lock doors. Now, in the end, some viewers will go, these people have got to get it coming to them. They've got to pay. What I'm going to tell you is the White Lotus, in the end, has more of a realistic take on what would happen to these people. And that's all I'll say about it. To these people. To these people. Of the resort shows, this was my favorite. It was six episodes. These people are all a mess. But it was entertaining. I was always entertained by it. And and that's pretty much all I have to say about it. So it was a smart way to handle certain topics that we have to handle nowadays. It was a smart way to do it from Mike, who is just an interesting person. So... It's not going to work for everybody, but it is the kind of show that you're watching. You'll actually have a conversation with people about it. What is going on there? What do you think is happening here? In the end, I don't know. It depends on the room what people are going to think. So that's the white lotus. You know, I have a take on it because I'm one episode shy of all the conclusion. And I will say that the journey there is, for me, was more of an uphill journey. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is bingeable. I don't think you should binge it. Mm -hmm. I think you, because some things happen, you just need to settle on it and just give it room. And I was watching it consecutively and it's just too much. It's too, it's like, it's like a really rich, dark chocolate 
cake with chocolate, dark chocolate chips and cocoa yes. nibs and like it's it's so and much happening and some hot chocolate <laughs> on the side just too much you really really need to take it in increments that is my advice yeah to people who aren't gonna click with it immediately because mm-hmm. you you'll know i think you want you don't have to get it two episodes you'll know the first episode whether you're like this is for me you'll or know like this five is, minutes <laughs> yes this is maybe for me i'm interested or i don't know about this let me let me, I'm not interested, but everybody's talking about it. I say take it in micro doses and stay out of people's backpacks. Uh-oh. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, first of all, don't be bringing stuff. <laughs> I was waiting for you to get there. Yeah. Make sure you check your own backpack. <laughs> and if you got something in it, you might want to keep it next to you at all times. Hello. Right. Right. Anyway, you'll know what that means. Um, <laughs> let's end this with quite the it's 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 the series that keeps going and it shocked everybody in fact it shocked the network <laughs> so much so that they're toting this as you know outside of BET i think stars has claimed a lot of cash from certain community and it's all started with power you remember that show it's been off the air for a couple of seasons now, mm-hmm. but it's back in this iteration. All right. I saw what I did. So, but anyway, power book three. Now they're putting them in books is a prequel. And in fact, it specifically says power book three, raising Canaan. And we know Canaan in power was Fiddy's in. <laughs> and we know what he was like or how he ended up being. Mm. I'll say that much. How he ended up being. How did he get there? Uh. How? Who formed? Who shaped this young man? Mm-hmm. And it may not be who you think. <laughs> you think some his older brother or his daddy or what? Nah. Somebody mm. is whipping the whip. And we find out at the end of the season that it was so, so successful that they're bringing it back for a season two. Yeah. So that is pretty exciting. Now, of all the power iterations, you have gone on record to say this is your favorite overpower. Yeah. You're going to have to defend that. So do I? It is not yes, you close. do. It is not even <laughs> close. Anyway. Hold so. your ground. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hustler, baby. Okay, hey. now. This is in the 90s where we have Kanan as a teenager. And Kanan is a good student. Uh, now, Kanan, played by Makai Curtis, decides, I want to be in the family business. What is the family business? Drug running. You know what it is. You know what it is. His mama, Rock, played by Patina Miller. <laughs> it's kind of like, no. Go to school. Do it the right way. Of course, this doesn't happen. We know where it's going. The question is how. The question is, how does Rock get Kanan into the business? Teach him. And is he teachable? I'm going to tell you this. If you are in a crime organization and you see the boss's son coming, run. 
because they ain't going down. You are. Okay, mama is going to figure out a way to save Canaan no matter what. People in this season, ref, were killed, maimed, lost eyes, and so on. Oh. Because of this fool. Now, he also has a cousin, Jukebox, played by Haley Kilgore. And Jukebox has her own thing going. You know, <laughs> she will steal clothes and sell them. she got to make her money. She can sing. That's why her name is Jukebox. But does she believe in that talent? She meets someone who does. Someone from a completely different place, okay? Called Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And someone of means. How does that end? Because a lot of this, you're watching it going, okay, why am I watching this? But as someone who sees so much, I was like, they're going somewhere with this. Mm-hmm. They're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. You'll see what comes of that. Now, her father, Marvin, played by London Brown. He is the older brother of Rock. Why is he working for her? Now, her ex, who's now dead, was, you know, like the kingpin. But how does she get to be in charge in the 90s? How'd that happen? Now, Marvin is the muscle. Okay. And I'll tell you this. And they have memes of this. Marvin (laughs) and these cars. If he sees that you're up to no good, he will use his car as a weapon. I mean, like, whoa. Wait a minute. Just watch out. (laughs) Keep your eyes open. Now, the last car, he had a vintage car. You'll see what it is, everybody, if you're a car buff. And you go, you better not smash that one, Marvin. Now, stop. Now, they also have a younger brother, Lulu, played by Malcolm Mays. And Lulu... He really is the one that has some brains. And he is trying to become legit via music. Because one of Kanan's friends can rap, and of course, his cousin can sing. They create the song, and the friend who can rap, his sister, Lulu, has an interest in. So, you know, he wants to put his money into this producer in this studio. Now, what's the producer up to? And what's he got to pay to keep this studio afloat? And is that going to be enough for him to be able to leave the family business? Is it possible? Whose money are you using, by the way, is the real question. And who knows about this? Now, what happens throughout the course, of course, of this season is Kanan loses friends. He also forces people he doesn't even know to lose their lives. He doesn't even know this, but that affects people around him. And there's always people coming to take them down. And there are two main factions. One played by Joey Badass. Unique. (laughs) Unique is a rival drug kingpin. And he tells Rock, you ain't gonna survive this girl. Okay. There's also Omar Epps' character, Detective Malcolm Howard. He always plays a detective. I mean, come on. Doesn't he? What kind of detective is he? What's he up to? Mm. Hmm. Hmm. And he finds something out that makes him very interested, not just in Rock, but in Canaan. Uh Uh-oh. And Rock is not interested in his interest. But you'll you'll see, you know, the, the power plays are afoot. Mm. And at the end of season one, 
there's something that rock orchestrates that goes off. Does it go off the way she wants it to? Can she stay ahead in order to make this work for her? Is there any collateral damage? The targets, are they actually hit? And where is that taking us in season, season two? Do we know the resolution? Now, could I say that Raisin Canaan was the perfect show? No. No. Was it entertaining? Yes. Oh. And why? These actors were always going for something. Always. It doesn't matter what they wrote. Everybody was going after something. Always. So were there certain parts of the story where I was like, I've had enough of this? Yes. Like jukebox in the relationship too much. We got it. Like you've already yeah. set it up. We got it. Move it all along. Uh, the whole thing with Lulu and the studio. Got it. Move it along a bit. We also have Rock and her relationship with this guy who's an architect. Doesn't make any sense to me. Excuse me. If you are like some sort of grad student in architecture and you're teaching and you know all about the architecture, and you're teaching people that. Why are you involved with a drug dealer and getting involved in illegal things? It makes no sense. But the core of this show, they kept their eye on that. Mm. It's raising Canaan. It's about how he becomes Canaan that we know. It's about the people who led him there not just Rock. And you will see what happens with Rock and her brothers. Mm. The way it starts ain't necessarily the way it ends. Sometimes people do have something to say and you'll figure out why she is in charge. You will see. There's a great scene in the penultimate episode between Rock and Marvin. Great. Like the writing was good even. Mm. Okay, right. Okay. So in the end, do I want to see season two? Yes. I watched this with my brother. Does he want to see it? Yes. Because they kept it moving enough. That they casted it very well. And, and look, uh, Makai Curtis playing Kanan. He is nailing 50. Oh, like, okay. Like yeah. the whole way he talks. Like, yeah, yeah. It's subtle. But and unlike the other powers... <laughs> they casted this well. And I did appreciate it to end this at the end of this season, all of the sex scenes that made no sense. It's just like, do we always have to do this? 50? Do we always have to have it? They went away. Okay. So I, I congratulate them. This is, if you like power, like entertainment, you like that snowfall show and whatever else, you really can't do better than Raising Canaan. And to answer a question I asked before, Ref, when it comes to Wu-Tang, yeah. I was thinking it would get there. I wouldn't say it's quite on the level of season one of Wu-Tang. It's close enough. But based on season two of Wu-Tang so far, I prefer Raising Canaan at the moment. Ooh, that's a very interesting observation. Close. Let's see Close. Let's see if that pans out as uh, yeah. Wu-Tang ends, mm. um, as we know. Listen, all of these finales, you can go to their respective places and binge them. Some of them, you mm. will have to really, really get there. But before we go, there's one finale that we have to talk about. Oh. Look at because. <laughs> because. The way it started oh. is not the way it ends. If you watch and go back and watch it, folks. Remember, we talked about the first episode of The Good Fight on Paramount+. Plus. Some folks bounced <laughs> left. And you think... Oh, yeah, they when did. You, when that, yes! And you didn't know it was that. You forgot. 
the way, like I said, the way it started is not the way it ends. I mean, we go through a whole journey and we are introduced to some, a new series regular. And what is he like? What is he up to? Uh, how does he handle things legally or not? Uh, but at the end of this season of The Good Fight, as you go through it, I will say this here and now. I don't think there is another show for me out there where I was literally, literally on the edge of my seat wanting more. Not because of plots. Not because of the plot. Not, not because, oh, you know, the, oh, the cliffhanger. and they're, they're. It was because of the pure enjoyment. <laughs> and the Kings did it again without key characters. Some of them been there since The Good Wife. Just saying. Yeah. Because um, the Kings always, they take hot button issues and they complicate them. That's what they do. And they do it in an entertaining way. With, From all angles. Yes. That's Everybody it, yeah. gets a voice. Everybody. 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 It's, it's always complicated. And they find actors who know what they're doing. Uh, now, I must confess, this was my least favorite season of The Good Fight. Oh, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorites. Right. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll come back to that. Now, we started with some COVID stuff, of course. Um, we had... I mean, Jay was going through it. We saw his journey through that. Did we see his journey? We did. (laughs) And one of my disappointments this season was that they dropped him by the end. That was one. It was rushed at the end. It was rushed at the end. See, I I wanted, I thought he, he and the people in his head, I found that very interesting. It just went away. I wasn't as interested. Right. Okay. I found that I was, I was interested in his character there. Diane. Now, Diane is at a black firm. We know this. She came there because she needed them, but they needed her. And she brought certain clients that kept the lights on. Does everybody like those clients, though? Do the clients like everybody? That's the question. And can you just do things when it's convenient is another question. Now, if you give somebody named partner and you're cool, you can't all of a sudden be not cool because you go, we're a black firm. Well, if you were a black firm, you should have been one in the first place. But so they're dealing with real world circumstances. They are. So Our real a, world. Th- yes. And there is, they come to an impasse almost between Diane and of course the co-named partner now, Liz. Now they are friends. They have been friends this season, it's complicated. Yeah. They respect each other. They do. They do. But how far does that respect go? Now, remember, Diane's husband. Okay. He's a, he's a, I like when she says Kurt. <laughs> Kurt is a weapons expert in all ways. He is conservative, but he's a man of few words and a man of wisdom. And he knows and loves his wife, all of her. Whether he agrees with her or not, 
he allows her to be and she will allow him to be. That's what makes them work. So in the end of this season, what does that mean for this couple? Because after Diane has gone through this, and of course, Diane feels the guilt of this. But what's the outcome of that guilt? Is it guilt that she deserves in her mind, in others' minds, in Kurt's? Kurt is probably her closest counselor. Keep that in mind. Well, is he? Because we do see someone else visiting Diane. Mm. who's as close of a counselor. <laughs> Just saying. Visiting how? Now, <laughs> we also have a new character who's come in, played by Mandy Patinkin. I was watching for his walk, by the way. <laughs> and they didn't give it to us! <laughs> no, they didn't! I was upset. I am upset. They get him from behind that, that, that whatever. So he plays a makeshift judge. And yes, I said makeshift. (laughs) Judge Wachner. And this man, so what happens is everybody, if you don't want to be a part of the real legal system, you can go to his court. It's almost like a TV court, which it turns into. But it has no legal standing, or does it? Or does it? One of the main questions in this season is, what does it mean to be taken seriously and to be called legal? What does that actually mean? If everyone agrees on something, is that enough, regardless of what the government says or not? I mean, how did the government become the government? So he has this court where people are coming instead of going to real court. So, and of course, Diana is like, what? Now, Marissa, who has now become a junior associate in this season, she gets, you know, just entangled in this whole thing. What does that mean? And there's another first-year associate that joins the cast. Carmen Moyo. She got dropped, too, at the end. Another disappointment for me. Uh Because in the beginning, you're like, what is happening with her? And uh, excuse me, Charmaine Bingwa had enough going on in her head that I wanted to know everything she was thinking. I would have read the uh, the text on the screen just to know. (laughs) And they give her this crazy client. (laughs) Okay, who's a who's a drug kingpin, and you know his wife has all this stuff going on. And the way what was it? What was his name? Armand Bishop. He was he's bigger than uh. He's yes, bigger than Bishop. Big drug yeah. He yeah. would he would supply Bishop. Yes, there you go. How you want to there think of it? And this man gets entangled in real court, fake court, and everything else, and he entangles some people in his own court. He sure do. And then in the end, the question is, if someone starts their own thing, takes the law into their own hands, will others follow? Or are they following? Because I won't tell you, but at the end of this season, a character played by CCH Pounder. Oh, God. Shows up! (laughs) And says it was mine! And then settles. And she will bake you something, though. Kind of like the flip side of the Oracle from the Matrix. (laughs) You don't want those cookies, the cake, nothing. Because she got some stuff in that house you don't want to be involved in. Now, when I say that this is my least favorite season of The Good Fight, that doesn't mean I didn't like it. 
it's the good fight. It's the Kings. They know what they're doing. It's just to me, this season was not as enjoyable of a watch. It was more of me going in my head going, okay, yeah, I've got to deal with this. Because I didn't quite like the legal storyline. Mm. It made me personally uncomfortable, mm. which is a part of what they do. But the uncomfort overtook some of the entertainment. Mm. Now, that's just for me. I also didn't like the Diane at the end. I didn't like the way she was treated. It started making me angry. And I don't really get angry watching the King stuff. I get it. I see all the sides that go, oh, that's so clever. Oh, that's entertaining. But I don't get angry. I started getting angry, um, which is fine. They are here to provoke and and to prod. And they did that for me in this season. Um, so I will be watching it in the next season. But that was just my experience of it. I've seen so much King stuff. This was the first season where I ended it and went, hmm. I have an opposite reaction. This yes. is one of my favorite seasons. I love that Adrian was gone and Kush because there was something dragging it down. It really is about Diane and Liz. It yeah. really is yes. about that. And, you know, Liz was always in the back burner with Adrian in the mix. I just found it absolutely compelling. I did not like the previous season. The whole 618 memo thing was so, such, it was catchy. And um, yeah. I, I didn't appreciate it as much as I did this season. I love the questions that were being posed. I love Diane being challenged because no one but the Kings would terrorize and challenge the lead actress. I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. And the questions that we all have that are hard to answer, um, especially when we've known Diane for so many years and, and her journey getting there, it, you know, there is some things that just need to be said. And boy, did Liz, there's a wonderful scene of them outside the court, courthouse, Liz and, and Diane exchanging it was a powerful scene and it was real and I loved it. I just loved it. I did not enjoy the Jay storyline. I thought it was very much off track. It didn't flow with where we were going. And um, I don't mind fantastical things because that's what makes the good fight so unique than the good wife. Cause they're willing to like interrupt yeah. and say, here's a song or, you know, here's something fantastic. Um, that's happening. Um, and quite frankly, I just loved where Melissa landed. I love, or sorry, Marissa. I love the journey that she was on. I want, I just love that actress. I think um, Sarah Steele is absolutely wonderful at making language real. Yeah. She just takes it and makes it Marissa, mm -hmm. you know, and all of that. Just the way Christine does Diane. I mean, you can't hear Yes, you can't hear yes, them almost like anymore. they're just talking. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. they're just talking. So um, I I just thoroughly enjoy this. this is absolutely 100% one of my favorite seasons. Um, if you are interested, let's say you haven't watched The Good Wife. Hmm. And you've been hearing all this talk about The Good Fight. You've heard us talk about it. And you're just like, ugh. It's, you know... I'm going to say something. You'd be like, oh, that's for older, you know, women. It was on CBS. You know, it's on CBS. Mm -hmm. Please, I beg of you, in fact, I beg of you to give it another shot. This isn't a classic CBS franchise. In fact, it's very much, it could be on ABC. It could be on Cape. Well, it's on streaming. And so they right. get to go into places. 
You don't have to have watched The Good Wife to watch The Good Fight. Mm -hmm. It helps, but you don't have to. You could start with The Good Fight and just go right on through it. It mm -hmm. is it is absolutely wonderful. You could even start with this season. You could start with each season if you want to and still not be lost. I mean, you'll see some reoccurring um, yeah. actors and characters, but it's they do such a good job of, of meshing procedural with serial that yeah. it's just the kings are really, really, yeah, really, really brilliant. Love this season. I want more, 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 more. Well, but that is not what TV finales are all about. No. Things that start must end. So tune in. Uh, coming up, we'll, we'll talk about some premieres, but eventually we're going to have to talk about the finales. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.